film fans and fans of everything entertainment and the arts. We're going to talk about arts today, uh, Carl. We're going to talk uh, Halloween as well. Yes. We'll talk to our guest, Keith Shell from The Edge. Around minute 18, we'll talk Many Saints of Newark. Around minute 32, I'm Your Man. Around minute 35, Diana, the musical. Around minute 41, Dear Evan Hansen and Theater Talk. Around minute 48, we'll talk about Cardinal Baseball. Around minute 56, my name is Polly Murray. Around one hour, we'll talk Beyond Van Gogh at the Galleria. Around one hour and seven minutes, I got to see the Rolling Stones. And then one hour and 10 minutes, Sports Talk. Our first guest, as a matter of fact, was on with us a year ago with his lovely wife, Mary Beth. Hi, Keith Shell. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, Welcome thank back. you. Uh, I uh, get the Edge 5 newsletter, and they are a fabulous entertainment complex in Belleville. And they have five theaters, but they also have Laser Tag. And I know, Carl, you have been there for Laser Tag. Uh, well, I've been there. I've been there to eat uh, and Laser Tag and watch sporting events. So. So I got the notice about their haunted laser tag. And I thought, well, how fun is that? And then Keith's going to talk to us about a year of the pandemic and how biz is these days. Because they're still showing blockbusters and they're still trying. I know you've had a lot of uh, special events to try to draw in. And it's a challenge to operate businesses during the pandemic. Oh God, that, I think that's the biggest understatement that they, and, and everybody's been impacted. And it's it's interesting because everybody's been impacted differently. And, uh, um, but uh, the hospitality industry has certainly been one that has been hit hard. And I'm glad to say that we're completely up and running. Uh, we are operational. We don't have really many restrictions. Uh, there are still a number of challenges that we're all facing, I think, the labor issue is certainly one that was brewing before the pandemic. And uh, now that we've kind of shaken through a year of closure in the hospitality industry, there's been a, a real shakeout in the labor part of it. So I think that we're going to, I think a lot of people in our industry are going to have to sort their way through that. And it, it, it's it's going to take care of itself, but I think it may take a year or so before we really kind of figure out where we're going from that standpoint. Well, like it's, right now, right now, you, you're not bowling currently. Correct. That's uh, and that's strictly because of labor, you know, trying to get the, enough people to uh, uh, staff our place fully in all areas. So. Did you have to reduce hours at all? Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And, uh, and it's the whole thing has been a, a challenge and it's because uh, obviously you're seeing spikes of the virus, which impacts people wanting to go out and do things, especially in a communal atmosphere. And our business is so predicated on group events. I mean, there's never, there's not a better group event place in the whole area to go to because of the number of activities that are really oriented towards families, corporations, groups to do activities together. So we, that certainly took a big hit and it continues to take a big hit. Well, I think once people we can kind of get over that role. You know, once we get to, I think that 70% vaccination rate where people are really getting comfortable with being out again, and we can finally maybe even get the masks taken off permanently. I think things are going to really change for the long term. But in the meantime, we've been really, really doing well on 
a lot of uh, the entertainment aspect, the laser tag has been going very well. We just did a really exciting thing on our go-kart track. We, you guys, have, everybody knows Mario Kart, right? Yeah. That's probably the most popular video game of all time. Well, we have a- my, my boys were still playing it like as of three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you, you put a Nintendo in front of me right now, I think I'll probably still play it. I tell you what, that's a, it's a very addictive game, but we have kind of that similar type of version. It's a power-up karting. And our, we added this big upgrade to our indoor electric go-kart track. So in our track now, there's gold coins. When you oh. drive, so when you drive over a gold coin, just like in Mario Kart, you get a power boost. So, you, and you hear it, you hear the coins in the back of your speaker, and there's a speaker in the back of your, uh, behind your seat, behind your headrest, and so you get you hear the coins, and you get immediate power boost, and you can collect up to six coins. So your your cart keeps getting faster and faster as you keep accumulating more coins. The other thing that makes it really really exciting is that there's a video monitor. There's four of them on the track. Underneath it is a question mark. So you don't know what you're going to get oh, except nice. by looking at the display. So one of the powers is the turtle power. If you get the turtle power, you activate it. Everybody on the track gets slowed down for two seconds. And so strategically, if you, you hit the activate on the turtle power, when someone's going around a corner, you can fly right by. So it's really amazing there's a mud bog so if you go in the mud bog your car slows down it's it's just like a video game it's so fun it's uh, it's amazing it's been really well received i like that oh yeah that sounds really fun so when does haunted laser tag start we're kicking it off wednesday and uh it's really exciting first of all anybody that's been on our laser tag arena we have the world's largest laser tag arena it's crazy. It's such a huge arena. You can almost get lost in there. So, and it's kind of spooky because of the lighting and we can change the lighting and make it even more spooky. And then we can put some really cool special effects sounds in to make it even a little bit more spooky. You know, the atmosphere too, totally lays itself to a great game of, of, of haunted something. But then we put a lot of props in there and we put some spider webs in there. And so now the whole feeling gets a little bit scarier, but then, the most important, coolest thing is the format of the games we play. So we have one game. It's our Blood Moon game. It's a zombie game. How it works is that you go into the arena. One or two of the players get infected and turn into zombies. And when they get infected, they feel it. Their whole vest starts to shake. It starts and starts to moan. And, yeah. and, and all of a sudden, they immediately turn into a zombie. And they start, and they're you hear this zombie noise coming out of their vest, big speakers in our vest, by the way. And every time they now tag another player, the player, they feel it, feels like they've been, they're being chewed on and you'll yeah. actually hear it. And it's, it's some of the sound effects are so hilarious. There's actually a burping sound like the, like this, like the zombie just bit a, bit a chunk of skin off, off you. It's crazy. It's really kind of gross sounding, but it's kind of fun though. That kind of makes it, but it's, it's a zombie. It's gotta be a little bit gross. Right? So, once you've turned into a zombie, you can't turn back, right? So the whole game starts with a few zombies and then a few more. And then pretty soon, just like in any type of World War Z, everybody turns into zombies. And then so what happens in this game is that once everybody's turned into a zombie, the game reverts back. Everybody turns back into a human except for a couple of the zombies. And then the game reverses. So it's a, it's a really, really amazingly fun game. It really complements the Halloween season. Now, if you are a human, can you kill a zombie? 
Yes. Well, you can't kill them, but you can get points by tagging them because you, you know, you, you can't, the, it's never a, we don't play an elimination game. Right. Uh, it it's, would be it's fun. A points, it's a points game. Right. But you can certainly get a lot of points for continuing to tag them. So it's like and, a zombie. It's like a zombie apocalypse. Right, and the, oh, by the way, too, the weapon that you're using when you're a human, it's like a, it's a shotgun. So it has that really cool uh, effect when you take a zombie. Yeah, yeah, you get that recoil on it. And uh, then another game we're playing is we have a vampire game. So in our arena, you can get infected, turn into a vampire, and you actually hear the sound of bats fluttering inside your vest. Uh, and, oh wow! Right, and so when and once you have the vampire bat, you're trying to turn other people into vampires. So it's the same thing. Now in this game, you can actually ward off the vampires because you can actually acquire a special power called garlic, <laughs> and so, so you get the garlic, and that prevents a, a vampire from being able to infect you. So that's a really really fun game too. What's going to make it even more fun is that number one, we have a lot of good sound effects and soundtracks that go along with the whole game. And then number two, our staff is going to be completely dressed up in character. So if it's a zombie game, you'll see them. Uh, they'll be like, ah, zombie coming out. Yeah, a live zombie. And they'll also, uh, when they're giving the instructions before the game, they'll be in costume. So, yeah, it's real fun. So taking advantage of a great, huge arena, creepy atmosphere, good sound effects, and laser tag formats. We'll have a, we'll have a, a, a zombie game. We'll have the vampire game and then we're working on a combination um a covid infection vampire game so we're actually going to have a covid virus in one of the games so when you come in you start sneezing and stuff so we had hey what wow. the heck? let's let's make let's take advantage of the the calamity and make fun of it and maybe we can all get out of it together that's funny now yeah well i figured it was going to start creeping into our entertainment and it, it has uh do you do do groups have to reserve spots or is it just you walk in and you get a time uh, we do both uh about 30 percent of our business is right now about re is reservation based and 70 percent is just walk in so we have room for both i'd say okay. if, if you can have a big group though definitely call ahead because we want to make sure that you're all in a game playing together we can play 40 people at a time in our arena. So uh, if you have a big group, we can put you all in together. It's always laser decks are really a, a great game when you're with your buddies. You know, if you get, especially if you have team games where you know, separate, we can play up to eight different teams at one time. So that makes it a lot of fun. Keith, do you, do you watch all the movies? Or not all of them. Do you watch most of the movies that you guys show at Edge? I say probably 90 percent there's a few genres that i, I won't watch um uh well that's it's just ones that don't appeal to me um right. i'm a huge movie buff i mean i, I mary and i part of our affinity for this industry was started with the when we first started going out and dating we actually went to a in-seat food and beverage uh movie theaters out in the east coast and that was and, now, and now you have those right it was an inspiration for us uh, so that was our yes it is so that's we love going to the movies because you are showing a film that opens this weekend that Lynn and I were not privy to see. We did not get to see Adam's Family 2. Even though they've done a huge marketing push for it, it they're with Progressive, they're on billboards with Goodwill, they're everywhere, but they didn't show it for us. And I didn't hate the first one. I thought it, it, I thought it was a good kids movie. I thought it was there were some funny parts in it, but I thought for sure that they'd show us the second one, and they didn't. Did you, did you get a chance to see it? We got to see a really, really long 
extended preview in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago at the CinemaCon, the movie theater trade show right. we went to, and they showed us about a 25 minute uh, uh, extended. That's like a third of the movie. Uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, and, and by the way, it looks absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it looks be- so much better than the first. I mean, I just some of this. I, I, that's what. That's my thinking, but I don't. I don't want to. Well, that because it's weird because I thought for sure that they would show it to us, and they said, "No, we're not going to show it to you." That <laughs> maybe you saw weird. the best third of the movie. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, if, if that's if, if if anybody that one third that I saw would make me want to go it, if, if even if the rest was crap. Okay. Well, yeah. Oscar Isaac is is uh, Gomez, right? Yeah. The voice, and who's the voice of uh, Morticia? Uh, oh. Is it Charlize Theron? Yes, I think it is. Well, that's why I was disappointed that we didn't get it because we got the first one. So I don't know, different studios are having different marketing approaches. And so therefore is that, but you've got all five theaters operating, which is nice. And then if you want to see what's there and you want to see what's happening, their website is edge618.com. And you can sign up for their newsletter because I get it every week and it tells you what shows and where. And it also, uh, you can sign up for laser to find out all the information about all their offerings. Uh, what um, have you seen? The, uh, the movies that are coming out this week, Venom 2 and uh, Many Saints of Newark. We saw, both Carl and I saw Many Saints of Newark, but we did not see, I did not see Venom 2. They are not I, showing, they are not showing the Many Saints of Newark at Edge. Oh, okay. yes. We, they, yeah, they, we, we wanted to get it, but the studio said no. Uh. Studio, yeah, they, uh, the studios don't always give us what we want, but hey. Hey, but well, you are still you are still showing the number one movie of the year. You're still showing Shang Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. You've got Dear Evan Hansen, uh, you've got Adam's Family too. Which also, by the way, I forgot it, it's Chloe Grace Moretz as Wednesday, and uh, it was Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things in the first one as Pugsley, but I think they changed him. And also Nick Kroll as Uncle Fester, and Bette Midler as Grandma. So oh, you've, wow. you've got wow. that. Well, I remember that from the first movie and I'm like, wait a minute, there, there's more in that. But they also have uh, they also have Venom. So did you get to see Venom 2? Let there be. Not seen it. I have not seen it yet. We did. We got to see the extended uh, cut of it, but we've not seen it yet. We, we were sold out uh, uh, over the uh, Friday, which was great. for you know, So we we always well, if we haven't seen it ahead of time, we'll wait till everybody else has got it through the weekend and see it early in the following week. And then now, next week you'll have Bond. Oh, yeah, that's Carl, Yeah, Carl and I saw it, and we uh, the embargo was lifted last week, so we can tell you it's fabulous. It's it's a nice capper of five films for Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah, very impressive. Kerry yeah. Joji Fukunaga did a fabulous job. It's action packed that first half hour is oh yeah that's that and you already know this keith it's two hours and 45 minutes so less screenings for you oh i know you know what why as a consumer i don't mind those long movies but as as an operator (laughs) we got a whole movie out it's like man that's a long time Mm -hmm. and how how, what is it you have to take 15 minutes between or 30 in our dine-in theater 
we take 35, 40 minutes because uh, we're doing a lot more cleanup because of, you know, having the, the whole in-seat beverage thing. But the other ones, we take about 30 minutes. Wow, that's a whole different, that's a screening a day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully you'll draw a crowd and it'll be very, I think it's a real crowd pleaser. And uh, I'm, I was very impressed with pretty much everything about it, including um, it's good cast. Not all of it. We'll talk about that next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll talk. Well, t- next week we're going to review that. But I think I was I was happy to tell you that I think you're going to you have know a what? big hit. If you have forgotten Spectre, you probably need to revisit it because of the five movies, Spectre is probably the worst one. And it takes a lot of story elements from Spectre. And, yeah. and, and even though Christoph Waltz was, a, I think, a good Blofeld, it takes a lot of cues from Spectre. So if you've forgotten Spectre, even if you've forgotten stuff from Casino Royale, this one takes all five and or the previous four and mashes them together. So if you have forgotten a lot of plot points, you might want to ch- remind yourself on Wikipedia or watch the movies because it is there are some things you might why why are they doing this oh this is a loose thread from uh, uh spyfall which they talk about everything from the last four movies yeah huh. and also vesper lynn from the uh from the reboot casino of royale. casino royale you and, gotta know and, who and, she is well because she's mentioned it, it, because the weird in thing in the beginning uh, well yeah quantum of solace takes place immediately after casino royale so that whole storyline is going on and this is the first time they've ever done continuity, but I know we're, we're not talking about this, but right. I just want I just want to warn you, if you have forgotten what happened in those first four films, you might want to brush up. You'll have a better enjoyment. Yeah. And Madeline is a character. So, yeah, they keep From Spectre. Yeah. Yeah. So who's yeah. that girl? Right. Yeah. Leah Sadu or whatever. But uh, this week, um, even though you didn't get access to it, um, I highly recommend Many Saints of Newark because I was a huge Sopranos fan, watched all of them when they came out. And I loved how we got snapshots of many of the characters in their younger days foreshadowing what they will become. Now, uh, Tony Soprano is played by young Michael Gandolfini and his father tragically passed in 2013. And uh, he seamlessly becomes young teenage Tony Soprano and it's remarkable the mannerisms he might not have that voice because you know who's who can do that teenager right but uh I love the whole family connection and if you remember some of the great characters from early Sopranos like Livia Soprano his Uh. mean mother she is played by Vera Farmiga here, and she is a constant nag. Oh, she's <laughs> great. Oh, there's this one scene where Johnny Boy Soprano is just fed up with her yapping. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the only quibble I have is there's not enough Polly Walnuts because he was always comic relief. And uh, there's, uh, there's Billy. Enough. There's, there, there's, a, there's enough Polly Walnuts, there's enough Big Pussy, and there is just enough Silvio. And yes, the the origin. Everyone's always talked about Silvio's hair. You see the origin of Silvio's hair 
in this movie because you first don't realize it's him and then you understand exactly why it's him. Yes, and David Chase has done a fabulous job constructing this, I think. And the people that are connected with this, like the director, Alan Taylor, he was one of the Sopranos TV guys. And the writing, uh, Lawrence Coner and Chase, he was one of the TV guys. Both won Emmys at directing and writing Sopranos. Sopranos won... 21 primetime Emmys in their six seasons and Rolling Stone TV Guide and I think Time Magazine all put it on like the greatest TV shows of all time, the greatest writing of TV shows of all time. And at first I didn't think I was going to like it, but putting it in both worlds where you have the family uh, troubles, the mob and then Tony's personal family that was genius and the struggles. And so that format is here, but Dickie Moltisanti, who is who, who we've never met. We, we've only heard stories about how awesome Dickie Moltisanti was. And because it, you, they would all tell stories about Christopher's dad because Christopher's dad died very young. And so when you hear all these, and even in the flashback episodes, they never had Christopher Malt, or Chris's dad on there. So, and it's funny, Moltisanti means many saints in Italian. So the many saints of Newark is the Moltisantis of Newark. So that's oh. that's where they get the name for this. Wow. Uh, and uh, so Alessandro Nivola is fantastic as Dickie. And he's been in a ton of movies, a lot of supporting roles. But he really shines in a star turn. How uh, he's struggling with his uh, crime, uh, his uh, climbing up the ladder of the DeMeo or DeMeo crime family. DeMeo, yeah. DeMeo. And then also... This is set in 1967 in Newark. So we have the race riots and we have the changing times. And that's represented by Leslie Odom Jr. of all people who won a Tony as Aaron Burr in Hamilton and also was nominated last year as Sam Cooke in, for the Oscar in uh, One Night in Miami. And he's primarily known as a musical guy. He is really stretching his acting chops here as a thug. And he's great. Well, he starts out as one of Dickie's runners. And he's like, I can do this. And he's like, why, why am I giving my money to Dickie Molasanti? Why am I giving my money to the mob? I, can, I could do this myself. And so he starts to branch out. And it's very, it, it's, it's very enlightening. And also... That you say it's 1967, but sometimes they say it's 1969. They, this is the summer of love, and they keep saying it's it's late 60s, and then they do a time jump because uh, Tony Soprano's father, uh, Johnny Boy, he goes to prison for four years, so they they take a break from when he's doing his uh, as he's a guest of the government, as they say, he's a guest of the government, and then they jump ahead, and that's when. Tony Soprano is a high schooler and that's where you see, Oh, you see a young Carmela there for one scene. And the whole story is being narrated from, this is a big, if you've never seen the Sopranos, you are going to be lost about a lot of things. So this is not newbie friendly at all because Michael Imperioli, he is narrating from beyond the grave. And if you didn't, if you're in the middle of watching the Sopranos, you know that, well, I guess Christopher dies. 
So, and then they tell they he actually tells you exactly how he died. So if you you want to know, spoiler alert, two thousand seven. But uh, yeah. but so what? If some people heard about this movie and they're like, you know what, I should probably watch The Sopranos before I do it. And then they they have a young Janice. They have a they have a young oh, a young that's junior. fabulous and, showing young Janice because uh, if we watch if you watch the show, we all know what Janice turned into. And then Uncle Junior. Corey Stahl is is terrific as Uncle Junior, who has our Corrado Soprano and uh, all these characters. But I think because um, two people I know never watched an episode of Sopranos and they liked the movie. They could How follow. did they know what was going um, on? Well, that's what I thought. But they said it's a mob movie. It's an it is an old fashioned mob movie. Now, if you never watch The Sopranos, you're not going to get the references like we who watched it do and the dark humor. Like it's just fun to see young Janice, t- uh, you know, arg- rebelling against her mother because mm-hmm. we all know Ada Tertoro and uh, Nancy Marshawn were them uh, later in life. <laughs> and right. Janice had some crazy boyfriends in the show. So that's just really funny. But the the Sopranos, the the TV show was known for its eclectic music. And this has a killer soundtrack. It, it does it does the soundtrack is pretty good. And I I remember that halfway through. I'm like, well, you know what? They're doing the same thing that they did with the soundtrack as they did on the show. Now, you know, there is one person we have, we mentioned, we mentioned Johnny Boy Soprano. That's play, he's played by John Bernthal. And the, there are two other people that we have not mentioned in the cast. Ray Liotta plays twins in this movie. He plays, <laughs> he plays Hollywood Dick Moltisante and Sally Moltisante, who's in prison. And we, he is really, really, and he's playing two totally different characters. And he is really, and he said he did not want to revisit the mob world again because you know he's good fellas he's ray liotta and yeah. he, he still fits in and he's it's it's you don't think of harry hill at all you think he's playing a, a totally different character so i'm glad roy ray liotta did this and also michaela de rossi she plays uh, the wife of hollywood dick Maltesani. he bring a young thing he brought over from italy she looks like out of a Fellini movie. She is gorgeous. She's Giuseppina, and she uh, has trouble with English. And uh, well, Dickie's- before the time jump, she doesn't know any English. After the four years, she's learned a lot of English. <laughs> uh, Dickie has his eye on her right away, which you know signals even big though trouble. T- technically, she's his stepmom. Yeah. Which is, yeah, but it's very old school. It's a smoky clubs, rat packs playing. And then we see the turmoil of the times and uh, Tony Sopranos listening to the big giant speakers you guys all had in high school mm-hmm. and, uh, you I know, did. enjoying his time, uh, his the music of his time. And uh, it's old school, like, you know, the old bakeries and the old uh, grocery the pork, stores, the pork shop. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just such a great throwback. The costumes, the vintage costumes are are 
spot on. The production design is fantastic. The uh, cinematography is good. It's really gritty, but it's gripping. I thought I was not bored at all. And a couple of people thought it set, maybe sagged. Well, I it's, didn't. It's, it's just less than two hours and you can watch it on HBO Max. You know, it, it doesn't feel like two episodes of the TV series. It feels more like three episodes of the TV series, maybe like 40, 40 minutes a piece. So uh, don't see it on HBO Max. See it in a theater. You go to someone's, go you to someone's theater. Go to someone's theater. I, I, I was told that this movie is important to see in a theater. That it, I did. I liked it. I, I saw it on a on a not a big screen, but I like seeing it at a at a theater. I it always sound. It will sound that. better. It will sound better at a theater, especially with all the music, and all also. Uh, it's you we need to tell people it's violent and there is there there's one notoriously uh, non-graphic sex scene but there there is nudity in it just like there was on the tv show but the violence is and that some people never watched the sopranos because it was violent and this is violent too well a lot of people get whacked yeah yeah, a lot of people get whacked, just like on the TV show. A lot of people got whacked, but this is condensed into two hours, and a lot of people get whacked. There is some grisly murders, and there's a particularly horrible scene with a, a saw. <sighs> or, or, or a drill bit. Yeah, drill bit. That's what I was looking for the word. But yeah, ooh. Anyway, but you should expect it because I was going back through the list of uh, Sopranos episodes and the chrono uh, chronology, and there were, you know, Joey Pants and a, mm -hmm. a lot of horrible things. Look at Big Pussy. A lot of horrible things happened. Not in the face. And, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so it's very interesting. And then now the last episode that was so controversial and full of ambiguity is being discussed now again. But I do think this leaves open a possibility of another film. Do you think that, Carl? Yes, because the, the very last scene and then there's a mid credit scene, too. And that tells you a little bit more. If if David Chase wants to do a second one, they could. I don't know how they would stretch it out to three. But I could I could see them doing a second one. And I hope Michael Gandolfini is used again because he did a really a remarkable job. And well, it and depends. You, it depends on how few, far future they go. Yeah, right. Because you don't want uh, you know you don't want too much makeup and prosthetics and stuff. Well, that had to be the biggest challenge in his. I mean, to do that. I, I saw the interview with him on uh, the Today Show, and they talked about the challenge he had in, in getting himself up for that role. And man, that, that must have been difficult. Oh, I can't even imagine, because first of all, you have these high expectations. And then uh, his father won three Emmys for playing Tony Soprano. And uh, he died uh, at 50, age 51. So he, so Michael was young. Mm -hmm. when when he died and i just can't imagine that weight on your shoulders and some people thought it was gimmick casting but it works he looks yeah. he, he, he acts just like his dad yeah yeah so that's uh that's uh the thumbs up movie this week i have a 
small German film called I'm Your Man that is Germany's entry into the Oscar race. And because, you know, each country has to pick a film for submission and then they go from there. But And they could only submit one. So sometimes good movies get left out. But this is a sci-fi romantic comedy. Not often do you hear those words together, let alone German. <laughs> and this is, it's really fun, especially for women. I will say this. This is a very women aimed movie uh the scientist well she's an anthropologist she is given a humanoid robot in the shape of dan stevens and if you don't know who dan stevens is he was in the first season of downton abbey and so beloved but they killed him off and he went on to movies he yeah, was the he's, beast. he's the beast in beauty and the beast with emma watson Right. And then other movies, he goes between villain and hero quite a bit. And uh, he he works a lot. He was in the Will Ferrell uh, Eurovision movie. Yes, he was. He was the rival in Eurovision. Yeah. Very flamboyant gay character. And uh, which was fun. so he's he's not afraid to stretch. And he really has fun playing this robot. So this robot has been designed for this scientist's happiness. I'm just going to put it like that. And it's a sex <laughs> robot. Is that what you're no, saying? No, 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 no. It's the whole package. It's the treating a woman like uh, she uh, deserves to be treated. Okay. And uh, she is trying to be professional and study him because it's a three week study and she's trying to be very professional, but she finds it very hard to be professional. And so hence the conflict and uh, it's delightful and it's only playing at Plaza Frontenac, but it's going to be on video on demand October 12th. Okay. So, yeah. Did you like it? You haven't said you just. Oh, yes. Oh, no. I liked it. it. I liked it very much. And Alex McPherson did the review for my website, poplightstl.com. I have not had time to do the print, although I talked about it on KTRS Thursday night with Ray Hartman because um, I did not get the link to late. And then I had some computer issues. You know, those pesky technology things. Yes, we we had one today with Keith, but no one heard that because we didn't have him. But now we do. Yeah. And at least now my mic's working because we had uh, Keith. I had a similar issue a couple of weeks ago. So uh, things like that happen. And uh, so we have the Adams Family, too, which we didn't see. Mayday came out and I asked for a link, but I didn't get one. But Jim Bass of We Are Movie Geeks got one. And then uh, we did not get what's the other movie? We Diana the Musical. Oh, I watched that last night. You did? Yes, I will say I'll be charitable. <laughs> this has a lot of big Broadway Tony winners involved in this. It is headed to Broadway November 2nd. It's a strange musical. Okay. Uh, the British press is savaging it. And I did not read their reviews yet because I wanted to go in without reading the savage reviews christopher ashley who directed 
come from away directed this. The set design is David Zinn. The costumer is William Ivy Long. They duplicate or replicate every iconic Diana outfit from a certain period. Uh, Camilla Parker Bowles is played by Erin Davey and she's terrific. She was the, uh, the little Edie in Grey Gardens on Broadway. And uh, she's really good. Judy Kaye, famous Broadway star, doubles duty as Queen Elizabeth and Barbara Cortland, who was the romance novelist who was Diana's step-grandmother. And she's in this hot pink all the time and very flamboyant. And then we have the, the no-nonsense Queen Elizabeth. Uh, the script is by Joe DiPetrio, Joe who won a Tony for Memphis. He's most known for I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change, off-Broadway hit. He did a straight play that every community theater does called Over the River and Through the Woods. He also did the book to Nice Work, if you can get it, and other things. So he's got huge He also did the, the Toxic Avenger musical. Yes, with David Bryan, who did the lyric, who did the music for this. Okay. He is in Bon Jovi. Yeah, David Bryan. Yeah, he's the, uh, I want to say the keyboardist for Bon Jovi. I've seen him in concert many times. Right. So he did the. So wait a minute. This Diana musical's got music from Bon Jovi, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's David Bryan and Joe DiPietro, which Petrio, who did the book and the lyrics. The, I thought the book and the lyrics were pretty fine for the limited time. What happens is they start when she's this young kindergarten teacher and uh, they're, they're out to get Charles a bride, even though he's still fooling around with Camilla Parker Bowles, the married Camilla Parker Bowles. And then uh, it leads up to her death. So that's the time period we're talking about. Uh, we have the, the wedding. We have the birth of William. We have the troubles, uh, her affair with James Hewitt. We don't, uh, we don't, I mean, it doesn't get too much in the weeds. It just kind of hits the, the high points of this story. And it's compelling. And it's, on, it's on Netflix. So you can watch The Crown and then follow it up with this. Yeah. Well, the problem is, oh, it's choreographed by Kelly Devine, who did Come From Away. And remember that choreography was so fabulous. Here, the choreography is kind of weird because it's the paparazzi dancing. Mm. And then we have uh, James Hewitt being shirtless and stud-like because he gave Diana riding lessons. And uh, so they start this affair. In the meantime, they show like Charles is in bed with Camilla and she's in bed with James Hewitt. It's just a weird musical. If you are familiar with musical tropes, it's just a strange topic. I was with it for the first half hour. I thought, this isn't so bad. I was like, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But then once James Hewitt comes and they're doing these dances, I was like, this does not work as a musical, especially with the movie Spencer coming up well, November. This was, they weren't 5th. supposed to do it as a musical. It never got to open on Broadway. 
it was only in the West End, and then before it was going to come here, it got shut down. And so it's it's this is a weird thing. It's going to open on Netflix before it actually opens up on Broadway because it's not supposed to open to on Broadway until November or December. Yeah, November second. They're already advertising tickets and everything. Now the the woman who plays Diana is is really good, Gianna DeWall, oh. DeWall. and she pours her heart and soul into this you really do believe her hair looks like diana you know she's like a perfect representative of diana so Lindsay, do you like it i'm on the fence i'm midway i like some of it you're gonna like spencer much more yeah i just as a musical theater person it's just strange and i don't know how it's going to translate beyond a curiosity you probably already reviewed it, but on another show, what do you guys think of uh, Dear Evan Hansen? Um, we are in the camp that we like it. <laughs> it. It is still problematic, but yeah, it's showing it's showing at the edge right now. Yeah, I thought it was an important movie, though. I, yes. I think that it, I, when I got through it, my first thought was, "Boy, we we need to show this to all the high school and junior high kids," and and. And uh, so Monday, I'm going to be approaching the superintendents and saying, I, I don't care. I don't them for free. I think it's that important of a movie. You know, it's just. Uh, and the kids, are, the, most of the kids already know the, all the songs anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they might not know the context of the songs. Yeah. Oh, that was an important movie. Yes. Hey, too. My, uh, my colleague at the Webster Kirkwood Times, Kent Tenshirt, did not see the play. Carl and I saw the musical at the Fox. And we loved it. And uh, my colleague, Kent Tenshirt, didn't see the play, but he loved it for its message because it's about loneliness and connection. And you're right about the high school age being the awkward and troubled. And uh, they added that new song, The Anonymous Ones. Carl and I thought uh, I was okay with Ben Platt. Carl's not so kind. But uh, we do not like that they cut out the first song of the mom sing called anyone have a map about how hard it is to be a parent in these times. Yeah. And they, they softened some characters and they other characters in the third act, which is silly. I thought the changes they made, they didn't need to make. But those, those songs are great. Pasek and Paul, you cannot fault anything Pasek and Paul do because they're the golden boys of musical theater. They did The Greatest Showman. They did La La Land. They won an Oscar the same year they won a Tony for Dear Evan Hansen. So but I he, think they changed the ending. They changed but the ending. I'm okay, I'm okay with no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm okay because I thought it was more accountability. I'm just going to say that. No, but I think the Disagree. people who don't like it made up their mind beforehand that they were not going to like Ben Platt and they were not going to like it. And so there was no the knowledge of the music. Yeah, no. Uh, well, no, uh, we, we saw it at the Fox. We saw it at the Fox with a different person. But I've seen Ben Platt sing his heart. He was with this from the time they workshopped it. It's because his father was the producer of the play. But. I don't see, I don't think anybody else. I mean, I know like the guy we saw at the Fox was great. One thing is uh, they had more self-deprecating humor in the musical. Yeah. Like the kid at the Fox 
whoever he was, I can't even remember his name. He had us in the palm of his hand from the get-go because he was so self-deprecating with his broken arm and and uh, the way he knew he was socially misfit. So I'm glad I saw that you were playing it and I was glad. I was glad to see that. Well, it's interesting that uh, we had that big run of musicals a couple of years ago and then and I, I thought that that genre is really going to get some legs and and skyrocket and it's got to slow down. I mean, I, I look at the movie Respect, which was so wonderful, and I was yeah. really shocked that not more people went to it across the country. Right? I mean, it was it was such a great, great movie, and so few people saw it. I was I was just shocked by that. I know. Well, Lynn Manuel Miranda has a couple uh, uh, outings this fall, including Tick, Tick, Boom, which is the musical about Jonathan Larson, who created Rent. And I'm hoping that's good. And that's in November, I think November 12th. And then um, uh, West Side Story is the big one, Christmas, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg. So we'll see. They, they have not the, the poster doesn't have any of the cast on that, which I find weird. Do you think West Side Story will resonate with the younger crowd? Uh, Maybe. Just depends on how they changed it. Well, and then also the poster, I, I was looking at the poster after we were leaving Bond the other night. And, you know, they say, oh, here's all. They, you know what they don't? Uh, they give all these attributions to the original stage play, but they don't mention William Shakespeare at all because basically it's Romeo and Juliet. Right. Right. So they, but... Spielberg's name is huge. One of the producers is our original Maria from the movie. No, it would be Anita. Oh, Anita. Rita, sorry. Rita Moreno Rita won the Moreno. Oscar yeah. as uh, Anita because sadly, uh, Natalie died. Wood I, passed. I, yes. However, uh, you know, I love the 1961 musical, but they were all wearing pancake makeup. And when you see it now with very few Latinos, it's sad. So at least we're getting the with the the ethnicity correct in this new version. However, we're um, jury still out on how it's going to translate because that was set in a specific time, 1957, when um, I directed a community theater production of it in 2007, and I had a teenage cast, and they had no clue what these jets and sharks were like. And at the dance at the gym, I was like yelling, <laughs> like, you guys hate each other. You hate each <laughs> other. Act like you hate each other. You're not you friends. Each other. Yeah. You're not friends. And I said, this was, I said, the dance at the gym was the highlight of your summer back then. I said, none of you had air conditioning. You were wanting to get out of your crappy apartments. And I said, this was a hot, and they're like, really? And I go, yeah, there were no video games. There was no, you know, I said, this is what you did. You went to a school dance and, well, uh, and they were like, whoa you know and then i had to explain the tension between the puerto ricans and the american kids that were mostly polish and and everything because they were so unfamiliar with that world right i mean so it's a hard learning curve because i just think of that that cast of 30 that i had that didn't have a clue to what it was about and that was 2007 yeah lynn speaking of uh way back in the past i looked it up uh, ben levi ross was our evan hansen at the Aha, uh -huh. he was good 
He was very good. Yeah, the national tour. Uh, the moms in the movie, I thought Julianne Moore and Amy Adams were fine. I liked what they brought to the moms. I didn't Julianne like Moore that they changed. sing anymore. Yeah, but I like that, that. I don't understand how they changed the dad to a stepdad, though. Yeah, see, the weird, weird changes that were unnecessary. So, but, but yeah, so, you know, we'll move, we'll move on. We'll see how the rest of the music goes. When I thought In the Heights was great, other people did not. It's just, I don't know. You just, it just depends what I guess you're looking for. So Keith is the edge airing all Cardinal games in the bar and at the restaurant. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can't wait till Wednesday. What Wednesday, a magical oh, night. Seven o'clock on Wednesday night. Do I we know it. who our opponent is yet? That's the thing. It's either going to be the Giants or the Dodgers. And right, right. now, the, yeah, the Dodgers have a two-game deficit. So if they, we can know by today. We'll know but, by the end of the day, yeah. Yeah. And that will depend if they rest their pitchers because I personally don't want to see Scherzer pitch against us. Well, there's but, a chance they could tie and then everything Scherzer – Scherzer would be in the play in tiebreaker. Tie and then, do you think that they would pitch uh, Kershaw against us because uh, we're his kryptonite? <laughs> no, he is hurt. Uh, he got hurt yesterday. He had to leave in the third inning, and uh, it appears that it may be a significant injury. Ooh, that's not good for them. No. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I didn't get to check. All I know is that we won last night, and I was very – Excited, but I didn't check into other. Well, that's because the Cubs are awful. I was able to go to the game where they clinched uh, against Milwaukee. Oh, cool. And that was the most amazing. It, it felt like the Cardinals of old. Right? All year, this has been such a really oh, yeah. low energy. And the energy level at the stadium, I've never seen it like it before. You know, it just wasn't the same buzz and atmosphere. That buzz was back. The excitement was back. It felt like a playoff game. And it was so neat to see. And. It was just really, it was just a great time. I was really I lucky. Oh, yeah. Last week I was watching all the games, and I I will admit that uh, midseason I kind of lost very much interest, very frustrated at one game where they were ahead 5-0, and they blew it, and I was just like, oh, my God. I wrote them off. I was very disappointed. I was mad that they didn't try to get better pitching. Of course, we had Flaherty hurt, and then Ray is, yeah, you know, the and other day. So he I know. So, so I was very disappointed because we had these great players. We had the veterans, and then Wainwright and Molina, and and then we have Arenado and Goldie and and all that, and then the young guys, uh, Bader and O'Neill and Carlson and all that. So I've just been really having a fun time watching them again last weekend. And uh, I, well, you know, we do have the Cubs Cardinal rival and it's always Not fun. Year, my my son married a Cubs fan. And the first thing I asked him when he told me they were dating back in 2016, I said, is she a Cubs fan? And that was <laughs> the year they won the world series. But Charlie, we would be texting because he lives in New York and and because uh, the Cubs were really good. And they were they were, you know, killing us that in 2016, even though we did make the playoffs for uh, the first thing. We just won one game. But he said, Mom, there's plenty of time for the Cubs to be the Cubs. 
And that has been my mantra. Plenty of time for the Cubs to be the Cubs. They'll be the Cubs for a while because they, how could you dump an entire team? I mean, right. you got a good team and you have a huge market. You have all this revenue. I mean, they, these guys are making so much. How could you just systematically dump your team? I just, it's, that, there's where baseball's got to get a fix, right? I mean, you have, this thing's been going on now for the last couple, you know, ever since Houston did it, right? So these teams, they get good, then they win, and then they decide, you know what, all of our players are too expensive. We're going to get rid of them all, and we're going to go into a five, eight-year hiatus. Right. Well, that, I mean, that, that started That started with uh, the Marlins. The Marlins had a great team, and then they sold everybody off, and then they weren't good anymore. It just uh, – Yeah, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, if I was a fan of one of those teams, I'd hate it. I mean, at least the Cardinals. The Cardinals. There's a lot of criticism we made towards some of the moves they've had over the. And I am certainly a, a critic of some of the things they've done. But one thing I'll give them credit for: that team every year, it, it's a competitive team. They're they're they, they have a good farm system. Yeah. Yeah. Never count them out. That's one thing I learned this summer is we should never count them out, and. Uh, I don't think in my lifetime, and I'm 66, I have ever seen a, a team like like what's happened in the past month, September, happen. I don't think I can't remember ever seeing it. And what are they calling it? The run of 21? The run of 21. Just like 11 and 11. But right. then Mike Shannon said the other night... <laughs> that the team was for sale and then they quickly were like no yeah that was funny oh mike yes well mike has Mike's been... la mike mike's last game is this sunday and so who knows what he'll say on sunday yeah he was very ill from covid very ill and well, they have know... not announced if he's going to do any playoff games or not so he had a heck of a career didn't he yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember as a kid when he was third base and then he was going to retire because he had kidney issues. And then and then they were announcing that he was going to be in the booth because this is after Harry Carey famously left. He went to the White Sox. Not People think he went to the Cubs. He went to the White Sox first. Yeah. And yeah, he, he, and, drank, and, he drank a I think he drank a, a fall staff or a stag. It was a Schlitz, I thought, or maybe it was a false step. I think it was a false step because there's a clip. It's on YouTube. If you want to see Harry, just say bye-bye mm -hmm. to the Cardinals. But Well, that's after one of the Bush family allegedly tried to run him over with a car. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, yeah. Nowadays, we would have all that on TMZ, but back then... But my summer nights as a child were Jack Buck and Harry Carey on the radio listening on our porch because it was so damn hot in Belleville with my grandpa and my uncle. And that was that was the way it was. You know, they were on the porch listening to the games. And if you wanted to, you know, be part of it, that's where you wound up. So it's just it's just part of a. a um, I wrote Harry Carey back when he, uh, right when we first got cable and WGN broadcast Cubs games. And that was my first opportunity to see Harry again. And I wrote him a 
uh, letter and I said, it's so great to see you. You know, I grew up listening to you, blah, blah, blah. He sent me a, a letter back. My kids think it's my pro most prized possession. <laughs> On the, the front of it is Sandra Borrington. She used to do those animal caricatures, those cartoons with animals. It's a cow with a halo. Uh-huh. Holy cow. Oh, I get it. And so he must have bought them by the gross. And he wrote me a handwritten note in the beginning in, in the letter saying thank you and everything and blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, how fun was that? No kidding. Yeah. So that's in my, it's in my memories. But yeah, no. So you can go to the edge and you can sit in the bar and you also have had these events like you have a Shackley event, you have a, uh, or Schlafly. Well, yeah, we've been uh, always featuring local breweries. We love craft. We have well, we have twenty craft beers on tap, so <laughs> we like beer. And my gut kind of shows it, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find the, all of those things out at edge 618com because six one eight that is the area code. Yes, over there. Right. Edge um, there is a uh, documentary that opened on Amazon yesterday, October 1st, and uh, it is called My Name is Polly Murray, and she was a trailblazer in the civil rights movement, and she has largely been forgotten by history. And Julie Cohn and Betsy West, who did the RGB documentary that was so fabulous, um, they have decided that more people should know about Polly Murray. And it's a fascinating documentary. She was um, black, gay, and non-binary back in the early days when... Was that a thing back then? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. That's why uh, history is forgotten her. Uh, she was as important to civil rights as perhaps Rosa Parks was, according to the blurbs and everything. And you will find out her career. She became a lawyer. She litigated uh, major cases and she became a priest uh, oh. in her church. And uh, it's all about her life and how she couldn't live her authentic life. And uh, she uh, was just having hard times and hospitalized and all this stuff, but it's a loving tribute to this woman that nobody has remembered, but should remember. She should be in the history books and this movie does her right. And, and so it's, it called? it's called, my name is Polly Murray and it's in black and white. And it's your uh, well-crafted documentary with uh, talking heads, archival footage, and uh, there's some clips of, of the woman herself and are themselves. Yeah, get those pronouns right. Yeah, I know. I want to be respectful. So, so anyway, it, it's probably going to be among the top documentaries of the year if you are of uh, if you are a documentary fan. And then we have the two competing Britney Spears docs, one on Hulu and one on Netflix. And I have not seen either yet. And I have heard that they are not as good as the original one. The New York Times framing Britney Spears. Right. And I believe framing Britney Spears is going to have a sequel. So um, just leave Britney alone. Go go follow her on Instagram if you want to see her because she's putting up some amazing things. 
Well, Keith alluded to Halloween festivities and also Cardinals activities this final year of the, I mean, the final home games of the regular season. But St. Louis is hopping this weekend, and so is Belleville, and I'll tell you why. But uh, Carl and I saw the immersive Van Gogh exhibit that's in a gigantic tent on the Galleria parking lot called Beyond Van Gogh. And if you are an art lover, oh my goodness, is it innovative, isn't it, Carl? I, I, I didn't know what it was going to be. First of all, it's in a tent on the in the Galleria parking lot. It is on the south side, right by Highway 40. You get up right off at Brentwood. You don't go towards the mall. It's the very first thing on the south side of the parking right. lot. And, and yeah, it, it, next it's, to it's, Macy's. It's, you, you wouldn't even know that it was there, except then there's a giant starry night that is facing westbound, and you're like, oh, wow, I, I guess it's here. And it is fantastic you first walk in and you learn a little bit about his life and all of his writings to his brother theo a lot of it's very informative and then you get into the immersive part first you go into this room where it's just uh streaming art everywhere they call it the waterfall room and you could spend many minutes in there it's on a 30 minute loop so stay for the whole this is this is before before that the, the waterfall room is on a five minute loop. So you're transitioning from the oh, yeah. education part to the immersion part. And That's right. You should stay in the waterfall room because it's very calming and it's very, it's, it's a good transition between all the text and what you're about to step into. That's on the 30 minute loop. And that is, you just have to see it to believe it because even pictures or video that it does not give it justice. It's so expansive and so, your your senses are just overloaded it is it's a it's an experience it uh, starts with his self-portraits of which there were many and then it ends with starry starry night and it just is when they say immersive it's on the floor it's on the walls it's on these kiosks it is uh they take fragments they also take his quotes the educational part i was so intrigued um, like Carl, I have been to the uh, Art Institute of Chicago and the Metropolitan Museum of Art and seen Van Gogh. Now, I have not been at the Louvre like Carl was. I have. But uh, yeah, I've seen some of his most famous paintings. And so they include the famous ones, but they also include the lesser known ones. And he was prolific. But what I loved about the education part was it talked about how nature was so important to him. And it provided such solace and refuge in his later years. And he was drawn to the countryside as opposed to the city. And so, of course, his art reflects that. And I wasn't even like, I was like, duh. How did I not get that connection? And these are letters between, um, he was writing his brother, Theo. And so those are very illuminating and it's a nice uh, opening. And then of course, like Carl said, the waterfall and then the immersion room. I did not realize because when you see Starry Starry Night projected, it's on just all... called Starry Night. You're thinking oh, of the Don McLean the song. song. I'm sorry. Yeah, which you know they, they, play? Do, they yes. do play that, an instrumental strings version. 
Of the Vincent. music is very <laughs> symphonic and cinematic. It's like cinema score at times. And then it, they play Paul Simon's America like a string quartet. And But they also have Don McLean's hit. But okay, Starry Night. I did not realize how many different shades of blue he used till you see the brush strokes up close and see all the different shades. It's just remarkable. Right now it's scheduled to be at the Galleria parking lot till the middle of November. So you've got a while to see it. Oh, great. But if, it, if, it does, if it does well, they might extend it. Our, our friend, uh, Julie, Lally, uh, PR insight, uh, insight PR with Nancy. And, um, she said that they're allowing 150 people at a time in. So it's staggered times. Like Carl was at four. I was at five. Uh, there was limited people the whole time and it's huge. It's really huge. So, uh, don't, you don't feel uncomfortable, uh, you don't feel um, like you're rubbing shoulders with people. No. Did you need a reservation? You do. You do need a reservation to get in. It I, looks like, it, yeah. I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see it. It looks fabulous. The, I, is this the same people that did the exhibit in New York City? I uh, think. I, I think it. I think it is. The, I think it's the same one. I think this yeah. is the touring version of that. Uh, you can go to Beyond Van Gogh dot com and then click on the st louis great i can't wait I, to go i guess i guess it's van gogh st louis.com if you want to get right to it and also um lynn what they were talking about was uh there's a gift shop in there too and they're getting brand new merchandise going to be st louis specific that is coming i believe on monday and it is it's it's good van gogh st louis i'm very intrigued by that image technology yeah, and, it, uh, and, I, I said I said it was like, you know, at Disney World and Disneyland, when they put projections on the castle, this is the same technology that does that. I want to uh, try to we've been talking about how we can take that same type of technology and integrate it into our laser tech environment where we have yeah. a lot more interactive environments where the walls, the whole environment changes through imagery. And so you can really do storylines and. Uh, and have it so it's interactive so the imagery changes based on what you're doing with your laser tech equipment and uh, we're actually quite a ways in the development process on that right now it's it's fantastic how you're walking along and there there aren't very many shadows because it's projecting all over and you'd think that oh well my shadow is going to get in the way and it's it is truly an immersive experience yeah i want to go one of those high-tech shows now They, they have these uh, display shows and they haven't had one because of the pandemic but i can't wait right. that, that, that technology is evolving so quickly that it's, and it's getting cheaper too because of yeah. the utilization of a lot of the led technology yeah it's uh it's sunday through thursday 10 to 10 friday and saturday uh 10 to 11 so i mean you're inside a tent so i don't know about i you're not going to get anything different seeing it later or it's just when you can get in Right. And I would, I would, I would spend at least give yourself at least an hour to right. do the thing. And so Van Gogh St. Louis.com is, I mean, you don't have to go to beyond Van Gogh, just go to Van Gogh St. Louis.com. And we want to thank Steve Littman. He's the one that brought this in. Steve Littman, who uh, 
is a big partner at the Fox. He was one of the people that brought this in. So thanks, Steve. Okay, I'm back. That was my uncle. He called three times the whole time we were doing this. And so he's in assisted living in Swansea. So I knew it was important. Okay, so I'm back. Um, Carl was at the Rolling Stones concert on Sunday night. Uh, How was that? 66,000 of my favorite friends. Um, it was it was great. They they look like my wife keeps saying how impressed she was because it looked like they were having a great time. They sounded great. They played n- nothing but hits except for one song. And that was uh, they played a new song. And then Keith got to sing two songs. One of them, of course, was happy, which was a hit. And so I guess my, my daughter's upset. They didn't play one of her favorite Rolling Stone songs. But, you know, they have 50 hits and they played for two hours and 15 minutes. So I'm glad I got to bring my almost 18 year olds to go see the Rolling Stones. Well, Jim Tudor took his children too. And he said they have more energy than people he knows. Yes. And he was just really impressed. I hear that Mick said he was at candy kitchen, uh, crown candy kitchen for a BLT. They went to Ted Drew's. He had a couple of Budweiser's and they went to city museum. Yes. And then it, it then the other night when they were in uh, the Carolinas, he was at a bar and nobody recognized him. Can you imagine how cool that'd be. All of a sudden you're sitting there, you're at a bar and all of a sudden, hey, what's happening? Hey, are, are you? No. Yeah. Are well, you? The, the, Mick also had people around him. So if anyone were to recognize him, they would have been ushered away. So, <laughs> well, a but, friend of mine said, oh, that couldn't have happened because we would have seen pictures. And I said, not necessarily. No, no. Mixed people don't let the pictures happen. So here, I, in fact, I heard stories about people that t- tried to take pictures of him, not here in St. Louis, but previously. And the uh, people said, hey, let me see your phone. And then they delete the pictures. So and also if you're wearing a mask and he was wearing a mask most of the time, except when he was drinking a beer, you can't recognize. How do you know that that 85 year old? No, he's not. He's 78. How do you know that 78 year old man is Mick Jagger? You don't know that. And you're not expecting him to see him. Right. Well, that's why I think some people can just uh, be incognito. For instance, you know, you've all been to the street in the streets of New York. You don't know who's passing you. I saw Bon Jovi walking down the street to his apartment. Yeah, there's all sorts of people. I'm not going to bother John Bon Jovi when he's walking home. Right. You see people all the time and you don't even, you know, think about it. My my uh, sister saw Howard Stern jogging in Central Park. Would you Howard, think Howard's about a, that? Howard is a he's an exercise freak now. Yeah. And, and he's so, also paranoid about catching the Rona. Yeah. Well, I was. Well, this is a while ago. I was in the line for tickets when they were in Central Park. So I missed seeing Howard. But anyway, um, that's the kind of thing that you don't think you're going to see is Howard Stern jogging in Central Park. However, now uh, Carl is back at at the blues doing the horn test and playing the music. Yes, I believe uh, they are in Kansas. They were in Chicago last night. Then they're in Kansas City tonight playing the Blackhawks. And then the next home game is the eighth. And then the home opener is on October 23rd, Saturday night. And so Keith will be having lots of people watching at his bar, too. So what do you think Um, of the club, Carl? Excuse me? What do you think of the club? Um, I think it's going to, they're still working out the lines. Uh, when those lines are clicking, they are very, very good. 
And so it all depends on who makes the team. I thought James Neal looked great the other day, but he doesn't have a contract. He's just here playing and he scored a hat trick. And so it depends on what the final team's going to look like. But I think if they get the right pieces in place, they will do very well. I like the depth this year. They right. When you have competition in a number of lines like they do, on, there's a lot of competition on the third and fourth lines. And when you start having a lot of competition in those key positions is when I think you start having a really good chance because it's such a marathon season. I mean, they, right. yeah, I mean, everybody's going to get hurt. So having right. that depth is the only way you can, and also having that depth, I don't care what organization you are. If you have a lot of depth, that's going to help push everybody to become better. The more I think depth you have, the farther you'll go. Yeah. And the Tarasenko situation may end up surprising people too, because what, to think about it, there's we number one, he, we did sign a couple of Russians, which are going to help, and mm-hmm. people that he likes. That makes a difference. And also, there's nothing like a motivated person, especially a talented, I'm motivated prove people. You wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. So, well, how, how is it with Tarasenko? Um, he, he said he didn't want to be here, but now he has walked that back. So, and then he's playing, he was that line that they were on last week. They that was a great line. I enjoyed that line. And I think he's going to be motivated and he is, you know, if, you know, he has to be right. I mean, if he does, if he really wants to be out of here, he's going to have to prove to the rest of the league that he's a, a, a semblance of his old self. I mean, yeah. If he not, wants, he's, he's in a no lose situation. He has to play well to get traded and he has to play well if he doesn't want to get traded. So right. he he's going to have to play well. Yeah. I, well, one of our most beloved Cardinals, Ted Simmons, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And if you want to read his speech, Rick Hummel at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch did a wonderful article that quotes Ted and uh, his um, uh, his son's best friend is John Hamm. And John Hamm was there because Ted and Marianne took uh, young uh, John Hamm under their wing when after John's parents died hmm. and uh, they uh, became surrogate parents, he called them in his Emmy speech, he called them his, you know, uncles. And I did uh, not know that about John Hamm. I didn't yes. know that either. Yeah. And so he like when when Ted was in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, everybody talked about oh, John Hamm's there. Why is John Hamm there? And then they told the story. And then, of course, John Hamm's going to be there at the Hall of Fame because, Ted, but he mentioned, he said Ted and Marianne in his Emmy, when, when he won for, finally won for Mad Men, right. uh, he said Ted and Marianne in the speech. And I knew right away, I think their son is also named John, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, they're still best buds. And I thought that was interesting, but Rick Hummel wrote a really wonderful piece quoting him and uh, Ted's uh, and Marianne have been married for decades. And he quoted a Beatles song in her honor during his speech, which was really cool. But he also gave a lot of shout outs to players and coaches and members of the Cardinal organization. Uh, George Kissick, the, yeah. the legendary... Yeah. Yeah, Kissel. That's it. Kissel. And he talks about him. So it's wonderful walk down memory lane if you've been a lifetime Cardinal fan. And then um, I saw some theater this weekend. Jersey Boys is at Stages, St. Louis. 
well, that's the first time stages is running and, and the Muni had it, but it's, you know, I've seen it like five, six times at the Fox. And so I've seen the Muni and then now it's stages. Stages is at the Kirkwood Performing Arts Center. So it's intimate. It's still a great show. It's such a well-constructed show. If you're in the mood for a jolt of fun, it's a great show. <coughs> a smaller, intimate musical with two people. The story of my life. It's about the people that change our lives. It opened last night at the uh, New Line Theater, which is in the Grand Arts District, Grand Center Arts District, the Marcel. And it's wonderful. Scott Miller is accompanies Jeffrey Wright and Chris Kernan. And uh, it's it's just I, I never heard of this musical. It was on, I think it was Off-Broadway 2009. I'm not sure, but it's it really speaks to these pandemic times when we're in the need for a connection, when our friends become very important conduits in our lives. And so therefore I wanted to give that a shout out. And the last thing is we had William Roth on a couple of weeks ago to talk about uh, St. Louis Actor Studio 1X, the zoo story and the dumb waiter. And uh, it's William as one guy and Joel Moses, who's new to St. Louis as the other guy. And he announces he has arrived. These are fantastic. So we got an 8 p.m. tonight. We got a 3 p.m. Sunday. It's worth going because it's an acting tour de force. And it's Albie, Edward Albie and Harold Pinter in their early days. And those are two of the great 20th century playwrights. So I want to give those shout outs. And, and we um, want to thank our guests for coming on with us today. Yes, thank you so much. And you probably remember Tommy Kirk from his early Disney work. Old Yeller. And he died uh, uh, last week and he was 79. And he was, was a star in a different era when Disney found out he was gay and uh, they dropped him so he was old yeller he was shaggy dog he was absent-minded professor uh the misadventures of merlin jones the monkey's uncle all these he was the original joe hardy in the hardy boys and then they dropped him well. he had some substance abuse issues which he spent the lot his life talking about and trying to convince people of sobriety but and now he's a disney legend yeah he was named a disney legend in 2006 so i think of what a different time we live in they made because, up for it yeah but well, i don't i don't know if they made up for they were trying to make up for it right saturday a, night uh, live yes. country. you know think about how think about how different everything is today versus even 10 years ago and 20 right. years ago and i mean it's you know uh one thing I don't like is we try to, a lot of times we're trying to cancel things that have happened in the past instead of just realizing that, hey, you know what? Things were back then maybe wrong, but at least we've progressed. Right. You know, and let's take a step forward in appreciating how far we've come. Well, Keith, your business is in Belleville, and I grew up in Belleville, and today is Pride Fest in Belleville. Think about yes. that. This would be unheard of 10 years ago. Right. In Belleville. And uh, so we have that. We have the all high school Belleville reunion tonight. 
uh, on the streets near uh, uh, downtown St. Louis near Tavern on Main. And uh, this is for anybody who went to East, West, Altoff, and my alma mater, the Academy of Notre Dame. And they are also including the two East St. Louis high schools, Assumption and St. Teresa's, because they merged to Altoff. So because it's all Belleville. Yes, it's all Belleville. So I'm hoping that I see some fellow geezers there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they'll be, hopefully somebody will be uh, that I recognize from those days. So and Saturday Night Live starts tonight with Owen Wilson as the host. Yes, with a with a cast of people that you will recognize and wonder why they are still there. And and yeah, it's gigantic cast. Twenty-one people. So how are they gonna? How are they gonna do that? I don't know. I think it's silly. Twenty-one people. You don't need that many people on the cast. No one's gonna stand out, and everyone's gonna just be gasping for airtime. Well, I hope Bowen Yang and Chloe Feynman have been elevated to not they ready are. for prime time. They are awesome. They're awesome. Not, yeah. After after three years, you get uh, bumped up to a cast member. Or not, or not, or not. Right. Okay. Thanks, Keith. We would look forward to anytime you want to come talk movies, go visit the edge. If you haven't, they took an abandoned grocery store and made it into this in, in Something enorm- fantastic. Yes. Enormous entertainment center that uh has plenty of parking it's in a good location don't be scared about going east side people it's right off of 15 it's it's a it's right there right it's very easy to navigate right off the highway easy place to get to great friend friendly staff a lot to do Good eats, good drinks, good games. But you guys are great. I mean, you guys, your knowledge and detail of, of so much broad range of entertainment, it just it blows me away. And, and, uh, no, and it's so fun. I, I learned so much from you guys. It's neat. Well, thank you. Is there anything you would like to recommend to people to get on their radar that you've seen that you are surprised that there's not more buzz about? The new Ghostbusters movie, we got to see it. And the whole, all life, it? I got to see the whole thing and fabulous. It, I mean, it takes a whole new different direction and, but it's a great homage to the old. Now, the old I, all right. Hold on, Keith. Do they mention the much maligned, but underrated female Ghostbusters reboot? No, no. Okay. This is about Egon's family. I, am I, I know, but I, I was just curious whether they, because I know it exists in a separate world. This is a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's, uh, they bring some of the old characters in and, and the new characters are the, the All Rudd. grandkids are beautiful. They're just so good. It's just, it's a good feel good movie. I it think is. I, the aforementioned uh, Finn Wolf. Yep. Yeah. No, Stranger Finn, Things. Finn Wolf. Yeah. Stranger Things. Yes. Yeah. He's, and- he's so good. And then uh, Carrie Coon, one of our favorite actresses, and uh, and Paul Rudd. Right. Who doesn't like Paul Rudd? I know. He's a national treasure. And from <laughs> Kansas. I didn't yeah, know that. other side, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being on with us, Keith. Go yes. see the Edge. Edge 618. Be careful and have fun, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Stay safe, get vaccinated, go out and enjoy fall. 
so long. Great, thank you.